Today on The Journey. A person characterized by anger. That individual in no way, shape, or form can truly develop as a follower of Jesus Christ. The hot coals of anger smoldering within can burn those around you and your own heart as well. It is no respecter of persons. So in this half hour, Ron Moore helps you identify anger, both appropriate and inappropriate, and shares ways to quench the coals. Also, after the message, I'll let you know about Ron's challenging publication called Faith, Dead or Alive. It offers a vital examination of genuine faith. Faith, Dead or Alive is available as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmore.org. Your donation today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Confronting Anger on the Journey. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, again generic, brothers and sisters, take note of this. Write it down. Highlight this in your minds. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save. Anger is like a vast ocean that stands between you and the desires that God has for your life. And if you want to live the life God has for you, and in that life be satisfied and fulfilled, then you're going to have to take a different route than anger. Look again at verse 20. For man's anger, a life characterized by anger, does not bring about, does not develop the righteous life that God desires, the holy life God has called us to. So James gives some foundational instruction. We're going to go over James' instruction, then we're going to add to it. We're going to be looking at a lot of passages today. James' first instruction begins in verse 19 when he gives us Three basic things to do. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Be quick to listen. That is, make certain that when you're talking to someone, make certain that you hear what they're saying. Make certain you understand what they're telling you. And that really starts with our listening to God. As we spend time in prayer, as we spend time reading His Word, let us be quick to listen to what God has to say to us, God's instruction for us. Writing to earthly fathers, Proverbs 4.1 says this, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction, pay attention to gain understanding. And so it is that our Heavenly Father has something to tell us through His Word. So be quick to listen to absorb what God has for you. Be quick to listen to those around you too. Be quick to listen to the friends around you who will share with you maybe some difficult things. Ecclesiastes 7.5 says this, it's better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to a song of fools. 
And some people just want to surround themselves by those who will sing the song of fools, but they'll never grow in their Christian life. Be quick to listen. Be a receptive listener. Secondly, be slow to speak. Be a reflective speaker. You know that your words mean something. You know that as soon as they leave your mouth, they cannot be retrieved. You know that words are a potential weapon, and sometimes we use them to hurt. So James says, be slow to speak. Know what you're going to say before you say it and the consequences of it. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Your next word could calm the argument, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to become angry. Don't let anger be your first emotion, James says. Proverbs 15, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. When we learn the discipline of being slow to anger, here's the best part. We're truly developing as a follower of Christ because we are imitating the Heavenly Father. Throughout Scripture, we are told that God is slow to anger. Fourteen times in Scripture is that phrase, slow to anger. Nine times it is talking about our Heavenly Father. James says, here's what we should do. Verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save. The word here for filth is literally the Greek word for dirt. James says, get the dirt of anger and all the other dirt out of your life. Because it does not reflect well on a child of God. Now, how are we going to do that? We know we struggle with anger, some more than others. How do you get rid of it? So let's start with this. Anger is a God-given emotion. God built it into our being. You say, well, no, I think it came after Genesis 3. Well, inappropriate anger did, yeah. But anger didn't come after Genesis 3. We know that because we read in the Old Testament, God became angry. His anger burned against sin. In the New Testament, we see Christ becoming angry. So it is not necessarily a sinful emotion. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit, this God-given emotion, is better than one who captures a city. So it's a God-given emotion. Secondly, anger can be an appropriate emotion. There are things that we need to be passionate about. There are things we need to be angry about in the appropriate sense. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says this, In your anger do not sin. A more literal translation is from the New American Standard Bible. Be angry, yet do not sin. Now when would anger be appropriate? Let's think of some times. Turn with me to Psalm 4. We find here anger is appropriate first when we see others living far from God. David says, answer me when I call to you. O my righteous God, give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. Then he says, How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? 
Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your heart and be silent. So David here is in distress. He's being sought by his enemies. And he is saying, how long are they going to have delusions in their mind as they seek other gods and persecute me? And so we can become angry in an appropriate sense as a general principle when we see other people following false gods. Secondly, it's an appropriate anger when the gospel is perverted and the church is misused. Turn to Mark chapter 3. Christ's harshest words, His demonstration of anger, was to the religious leaders of His day because they were perverting the Word of God and they were misusing God's house. Shouldn't we be angry when we see the gospel being perverted into legalism or prosperity theology? Does it anger you at all when you talk to someone and they say, I was at a certain church for 30 years. I never heard the gospel explained. That angers me. Does it anger you when Christian leaders use the church for financial gain, use the church for power plays? That should make us angry when God's church is being misused and when His Word is being perverted. Again, we don't sin. We don't have resentment in our hearts. You can be angry and not sin. Here's a third time when it's appropriate to be angry. When God's people make it possible for others to laugh at God. Turn to Exodus chapter 32. God has delivered His people out of slavery. Moses has gone up to the mountain. He is getting the Ten Commandments. And as he and Joshua are coming back down the mountain after being up there for some time, God's finger has written on the tablets the Ten Commandments, and they hear music and singing, see dancing. Verse 19, when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf that had been built and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Go down to verse 25. Here's what made Moses angry. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control, and here's the deal, and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. God delivered these people, and here they are laughing and dancing, terrible sexual situations going on, they have a golden calf they're bowing down before. These are God's people? Like a laughingstock to their enemies. It's appropriate to be angry at sin when other people do things that cause God's name to be laughed at. We should be angry at sin and what it does to the name of God. One more thing here, and this is a tough one. It's so easy to be angry at some sins and not others. It is so easy to be burning with anger on one side while we're living in sin on the other side. Turn to 2 Samuel. Chapter 12, you know the situation. David has committed adultery with Bathsheba. It's now about nine months later. The baby has been born. David continues to live in unrepentant sin. He has lied. He has stolen. He has had Uriah, her husband, killed. He is living in sin. 
So Nathan comes to him to confront it. And Nathan isn't just going to go up to the king and say, David, you're a sinner. Nathan is going to tell a story to draw David into the emotion. But look how deceiving sin is here. When the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him, and Nathan said this, There were two men, David, in a certain town. One was rich and the other poor. And the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. And he took this little ewe lamb and he raised it and he drew it up with him and his children. This little ewe lamb even shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to this rich man, but the rich man, refraining from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the meal for the traveler who had come to him, instead he went to that man's house and he took that little ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and he prepared it for the one who had come to him. Look at verse 5. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, this man deserves to die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And you know the next statement. David, you're the man. See, it's so easy to burn with anger in one area of our life and be living in sin in the other area. And so one thing the emotion of anger should do is to say, man, I'm really angry about that. But what about this? God, I'm so angry at this sin. Are there some other sins I need to be angry about in my own life? Sometimes anger can be an appropriate emotion. Sometimes, you well know, it can be a destructive emotion. Proverbs says, wrath is fierce and anger is a flood We've all seen the devastation that a flood leaves behind, just as we have seen the devastation that anger leaves behind. Sometimes anger is very expressive. Outbursts of anger, doors slamming, fists pounding, things thrown, people hurt, people killed. All from the source of anger. Proverbs says this, quick-tempered man displays folly. A quick-tempered man is always going to do something stupid. Will Rogers said, a person who flies into a rage never makes a good landing. Expressive anger is destructive. Sometimes anger is not so overt. It's just as dangerous. A harbored anger such as jealousy or envy or bitterness, or resentment. Resentment leaves us a shriveled, pitiful person. And you know who one example in Scripture is of resentment? Jonah. You know his story. God told him to go to Nineveh, preach to the Ninevites. He didn't want to go. So he got on a ship to run from God. Can't run from God. Storm came. Cast into the sea, fish swallows him up, spits him out on land. Jonah goes to Nineveh, preaches to the Ninevites, and what do they do? This wicked, wicked, wicked city. Think of the most wicked country that you can think of in the world today. That's Nineveh. And Jonah goes to preach to them. They repent. You know what Jonah does? He resents that. Jonah said, God, I knew you would do that. And that's why I didn't want to go in the first place. I knew you're gracious. 
I knew you would forgive their sin. That's why I did not want to share the good news with them at all. And when we get to the end of Jonah, we find the powerful prophet, now a pitiful prophet, sitting under a tree, cursing the tree. And here are the last words of Jonah in his book, chapter 4, verse 9, I am angry enough to die. The last words of that great prophet, the pitiful prophet. Frederick Buchner, a theologian, says this, Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll your tongue at the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back, in many ways is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that you are wolfing down yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Let me mention one more thing before I move on to some application. Let's talk for a moment about anger in the home. Some of us, because of our reputations, can handle ourselves better outside the home than inside the home. And it becomes very dangerous when anger is expressed in the home. The inexcusable issues of domestic violence in Christian homes can never be justified. And we've got to learn to deal with anger or we'll hurt the people we love the most. Well, how do you deal with this issue of anger? Let's see what Scripture says. First, we need to pray for spirit control. This gets back to the issue, are we going to submit to the Holy Spirit in our life? Something's going to happen just about every day to cause us to blow our top if we're inclined to do that. And unless the Spirit controls our life, and unless every morning we say, Lord, my life is yours today, I'm going into this situation where I know it could be explosive, but I'm not going to do it. I want you to control me supernaturally. I want you to work through this event. Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk on wine. Leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. We talked about that as we studied Ephesians, and we said that Paul uses this example of not being drunk with wine. Don't be controlled by an outward substance. Anger would be an outward circumstance. Don't be controlled by anger. It's going to lead to something you don't want to do. Instead, be controlled by the Spirit of God. Number two, we need to address anger on a daily basis. If you don't, you will nurse it, you will stoke the fire, you will stir the embers, you will keep it ablaze, you will turn to resentment and bitterness, and it's going to eat you alive, or it'll turn to some temper tantrum, and you're going to hurt somebody else. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Deal with it daily. Don't let it fester. Don't let Satan turn that event into a spiritual barrier. Number three, stay away from angry people. They'll drag you down. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one who is easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. How many times have you had a conversation with someone who is angry, and you walked away angry, and you said, why am I angry? I didn't have anything to do with that situation. And so you may be hanging around people and you got to say, look, I love you. 
But you're an angry person, and you've got to deal with that before the Lord. And if you want to drag yourself down, that's okay, but you're not going to drag me down with you. I'm going to pray for you, but until you deal with that, I'm not going to be around. Now, obviously, if that's your spouse, you can't say that. There you have to say, hey, we've got to deal with this together. What are our kids seeing? And do we want that to be multiplied in their house and then our grandchildren and great-grandchildren? Number four, forgive. A lot of anger is taken away when you have a spirit of forgiveness. Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every kind of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Remember what Christ has forgiven you. And see if you can find it in your heart to forgive others. Last one. Read and study the Word of God. One of the greatest ways to deal with anger is to make certain that every day you wash your mind and your heart with the Word of God. Back in James chapter 1, verse 21, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the Word planted in you which can save you which means you're going to have to submit to God's Word. The Word planted in you. Who takes the Word and plants it in us? It's the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have the Word planted and it's going to grow, you're going to have to have a fertile heart. Who makes our heart fertile? It's the Holy Spirit. As we pray for His control, as we pray for a fertile heart. So before you begin reading, Lord, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture today. I'm going to ask that you take this Word and you implant it in a heart that you've made fertile because I want it to stay there and I want it to grow. It can save you from the dangers of unbridled anger. You cannot develop as a follower of Jesus Christ unless you're willing to deal with anger. Pretty simple, pretty basic. Now all we have to do is apply it to our hearts. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. How do you know when your faith, or that of a friend or loved one, is a living faith? Is it proved by a walk down a church aisle, praying a salvation prayer, or attending catechism classes? Or is there other evidence that must be displayed? That question is asked and answered in Ron Moore's PDF booklet titled, Faith, Dead or Alive. In Faith, Dead or Alive, Ron outlines the characteristics of genuine belief and how you can perceive their presence animating your life. It's the most important waypoint on the spiritual journey. Faith, Dead or Alive is yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Your donation today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with a preview of our next broadcast. Turn with me to James chapter 1. We'll look at verses 22 through 27. Verse 22, James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man 
who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself to be religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And please remember to order your copy of Ron Moore's PDF booklet, Faith, Dead or Alive. It's a vital checkup on your spiritual health. Faith, Dead or Alive is available for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the real conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on The Journey.